0: Thank you for visiting Cross Lane Community Church. We are located in Terre Haute, Indiana. For more information, please visit us online at com. Let's listen to one of our Sunday morning messages. Right now, we are a good church. I mean, when I talk to people about Cross Lane, and we have lots of visitors every week, and I'm constantly talking to people about church. In fact, Probably most people wish they could shut me up. They get me going, and I just keep talking about church because I love this place, and and uh, I'm I'm really pleased with how Cross Lane is. Uh, we are a great church, not a great church. I don't. That's I'm messing up my sermon. We're a good church. I'm going to tell you today what it, one of the things it takes for us to become a great church. I tell people all the time, this is a, a good little church. It's a it's a church that w- if you're new to us, let me tell you what kind of church you've walked in, into this morning. We uh, we don't take ourselves too seriously around here. We can laugh and cut up, and we we you know we have a good time together. Um, we believe in in um, worshiping with a little enthusiasm, and so we aren't afraid of the drum kit and and uh, you know some some electric guitars once in a while. We, um, we we we. I tell people all the time. There's not a lot of fighting and backbiting at this church. You're not going to find a bunch of people who don't like each other and sitting on opposite ends of the auditorium. And you know, like we got to erect a fence to keep them from throwing food at one another. It's not like that here. I, it's it's. I'm, maybe maybe there's somebody in here that doesn't like somebody else in here. If that's the case, I don't know about it. You don't ever hear about that kind of stuff around here. and, and that's one of the things that really pleases me about this place you're in a church this morning I tell people this all the time you are in a church this morning that is full of broken people full of broken people so if you're a broken person if you've got problems and you think man I don't know if I want to go to church because I'm not like everybody else you're just like us we're all kind of messed up. We we all kind of have our deal, you know, our thing, and we've all got those things that when we stand before God, it's like, "Oh, how in the world can I even think to pray to God because I'm such a mess?" We're all that way. So you're you're among friends, okay? You're you're among a bunch of hypocrites. So come join us. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons people say, "I don't want to go to church because it's just full of hypocrites." Exactly. We are hypocrites. We're doing the best we can to live what we believe, but it's hard to do that. Our our goals are pretty high god's standard is what he's calling us to is pretty high and it's hard to live up to that sometimes and so we are hypocrites we don't always make the great and scripture tells us that in advance that's what kind of church you've walked into today so we we are in a lot of ways a good church but we are not a great church yet and and when i say that when i talk about us being a great church i hope you know it's i don't want us to be a great church so that i can go brag about what a great church we are I don't want to have a great church so that I can say, I pastor a great church, and it's all because of me. That's not what this is about at all. Here's what we believe at this church. We believe that there is a heaven and a hell. We believe that everybody is going to spend an eternity in one of those two places. And we believe that it is our responsibility as a group of believers to bring people to jesus that is what this church is all about if you've wandered in today and you're thinking what kind of church have i come to we believe in jesus and we're trying to do everything we can to get as many people to him as we can when we are able to optimize that and do that at full efficiency we will have become a great church not great because we're great great for the glory of god that's what we're about that's what we want to be about the problem is is execution. There are some things that we need to execute better. I need to execute certain things better as the pastor of this church in order for us to become a better church, a great church. Kyle in the worship band, Tracy in the uh, uh, administrative side, Ryan with youth ministry. We, we're all trying to learn how to better execute our areas of ministry. All the volunteers have to learn how to better execute their areas of ministry and as we do that we will leave the realm of being just a good little church and we will move into the category of being a great church again not for our glory just like the song said not to us but but to your glory God is what we're really pursuing and what we want to be about there's a principle that we're going to learn how to execute better this morning the cool thing is this principle is not just something that is unique to church it's not just something that churches need to learn how to do this is something that if you are in business and you have a, a, a group of people maybe that you oversee or that you manage this principle will help you if you own a business this principle will help you if you're trying to get a business off the ground this is a principle that will be of, of uh, great service to you I think but we don't apply this the way we should and I think there's a couple of reasons why one is ego our ego gets in the way you're going to see what i'm talking about as we get into this a little bit the second problem we have with implementing this this principle is that we think we're too busy we, we either have an ego problem and we won't do it or we have a a, a, a busyness problem and we think we can't do it um, i want to play a little game with you this morning a bible quiz game now you need to know that i don't ever play bible quiz games because i can't win at a bible quiz game i'm the pastor so when we play Bible trivia, if I get the question right, your your response is, well, of course, you're the pastor. You're supposed to get it right. So I don't get any points there. And if I miss it, you look at me like I got, you know, four heads, and you go, you don't know that? You know, you're the pastor. So I, don't, I make it a point not to play Bible trivia games because it's just not a, it's a no-win for me. But we're going to play one this morning, and this is the way this is going to work. I'm going to put a couple of, uh, uh verses of scripture on the screen for you this morning and we're going to read through those together and at the end of the first uh verse i'm going to ask you a rhetorical question just something that i want you to just consider among yourself and if you want to whisper to a friend and try and figure out what you think it is that's perfectly fine but don't call it out okay we're going to we're going to do that with one verse of scripture then i'm going to put up another verse of scripture then we'll revisit both of those and we'll go from there uh so these are simple questions these aren't trick questions okay this isn't you're not going to answer and i'm going to go gotcha it's, it's not anything like that. It's just a just a simple verse of scripture. Luke chapter five, verses twenty-seven and twenty-eight says this. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Now, here's the question I want you to consider this morning. Based on what you read here, not your vast Bible knowledge, okay? check it at the door we're not talking about your your extensive bible knowledge we're just talking about this passage of scripture based on this passage of scripture right here based on what you read why did matthew follow jesus okay just think that to yourself get get figured out in your head why did matthew follow jesus based on what you see right there and if you're really expending a lot of brain cells trying to figure this out you're working too hard okay because it's it's simple it's really easy okay that's the first one here's the second one and this one's a little longer luke chapter 6 verses 12 through 16 one of those days jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to god when morning came he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles simon whom he named peter his brother andrew james john philip bartholomew Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus Simon, who was called the Zealot Judas, son of James and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor here's the question had you been one of Jesus' disciples and in this particular passage when we we use the word disciples and many times in scripture when you see the word disciples what's being referred to is not the twelve what's being referred to is a large group of people who followed Jesus Okay, so a lot of times when you're reading scripture and you read the word disciples you're thinking 12 think beyond 12 most of the time because there were in, In most cases lots and lots of people following jesus around and so there were you know at times hundreds of people following jesus around And So jesus has this group Of of many many people that are following him. He looks out at them and he starts To call out certain ones. So here's the question How did you get to be one of jesus 12? Apostles so the first question is, why did Matthew follow Jesus? Second question is, how did you get to be one of the 12 apostles? Okay, so let's, let's revisit. The first one, why did Matthew follow Jesus? Because he asked him to. Isn't that simple? See, if you, if you read that and you went, well, you know, Paul said, no, you're working way too hard. It's, it's simple. He followed because Jesus asked him to. It's, it's just that easy. So, so now we go to the second one how did you become one of the apostles one of the twelve out of the group of disciples you did that because Jesus invited you he appointed you he, he picked you I mean out of a crowd this size he looked at twelve and he said I want you and I want you and I want you I have this tickle and it just it shows up at bad times Now here's the principle, and here are the ramifications, and they are huge. At the very outset of the ministry of Jesus, not at the end, okay, not at the end of his life, not at the end of his ministry, at the very outset of the ministry of Jesus, he picked the people that he would hand this over to. Think about that. He didn't wait until the end of his ministry. He didn't wait until the end of his life and say, oh, you know, I got two months left. I better get on the stick and figure out who it is I'm going to leave this to. No. At the very onset of his ministry, he looked around, he picked these 12, and he said, I'm going to give this over to you eventually because he knew that he was talking about eternity. And he knew that handing this off was a big deal. Jesus knew that success, and this is the principle really this morning, success depends on succession okay success depends on succession Uh, if there was going to be success there was going to have to be some succession Jesus didn't wait until the end he got on this early he found the people that he was going to hand it off to and the principle from these verses is is something that we desire to execute better at this church so if you're here today and you're new to us this isn't like a come to Jesus meeting okay this isn't I'm not going to get real evangelistic today this is more of a nuts and bolts thing for us today this is a this really, if I'm totally honest, this is a, a, a lesson that is uh, for people who've gone to church here for a long time and are plugged in and who are doing ministry here. And it's it's uh, kind of an encouragement for us to do a better job of something that, that I don't know that we do very well. And um, I think there's a perception that it's really my job or Tracy's job or Kyle's job to make this happen. And I'm really gonna put the onus on you this morning. I'm, I hope you'll understand that when we get done. But here's, here's the thing. There are people who are sitting out there listening to me right now who would like to be plugged into this church they they would like to to be more involved but here's the problem they don't know how that they don't know how to connect to a specific ministry environment and say I want to I want to plug myself in to that environment you know they 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 think you know I'd like to be a part of that church it seems like a pretty neat church it seems like there's some good stuff going on but I don't necessarily know how to do that and you know our mistake here for a long time has been if we need you know five workers for the nursery we just have a sign up or you know they come to me desperate Brett we need you to make an announcement for the nursery we need people in the worst way or Arc Park we got to have Arc Park workers you know we need we need five can you just get us five and I stand up and say hey could we have five nursery workers or five Arc Park workers here's the problem a lot of people hear that and they say, "Well, that's wonderful, but I'm not I'm not I'm not I don't know how to do that." And so, I hope they get their five, I'm not signing up. But if we do it the way I'm going to suggest today, I think what we would find is a lot more people willing to do it if we would just teach them this thing that we're going to talk about today. This thing is called intentional apprenticing. Intentional apprenticing. Now, apprenticing is a word that we don't use a whole lot these days. But it's pretty much taking something that you have learned and teaching somebody else to do what you do. Helping somebody else to learn what you've learned and then to get them to do what it is that you do. Um, Another way to put it is to replace yourself. We want people in ministry here to be constantly replacing themselves. Everybody at every level of the organization needs to be intentionally looking for someone that they can have as their replacement. Um, Jesus did this from the beginning, really. Jesus um, was constantly, had people around him as he listened to him teach and talk. And, uh, you know, you would look over and you'd see Matthew taking notes because Matthew would eventually write a book about it. John was another one who was taking notes and eventually wrote a book about what he saw Jesus do. And then Jesus said, I want to send you out two by two, and I want you to do what it is that you have seen me do. Success meant that there had to be some succession. Now it's a simple yet extraordinary principle and it's been so underused in church that, that oftentimes it's the reason that our churches get to be in the messes that they get to be in. But this principle is also generally ignored in the industry world, in, in the marketplace, in business. It's not really practiced as well as it could be. And uh, you know there's a couple of reasons for that. One, I'm too busy to train somebody else and have somebody looking over my shoulder. I don't have time for that. And, and this is a biggie sometimes, if I teach them how to do what I'm doing, they may do it better than me, and I might lose my job. Can I just tell you that if you are so good at your job and you are able to train someone else to do what you do and train them to do it better than you, I would think as an employer, if I had an employee that was that good that could not only do a job but teach somebody else how to do it and do it better than them, that's an employee I want to hang on to. I mean, if, if you can do that, you can free yourself up to go do what many employers want you to do anyway, which is to cross-train to learn a new job someplace else. But see, we don't do that because, A, I'm busy. I don't have time to have somebody looking over my shoulder. We've got to get this thing done. Well, you know what? The, the the person who's so busy that they can't train somebody else, eventually they get, they get to a place where they're not, uh, fu- I wouldn't say functional, but they're not, um, oh, efficient that's the word i knew it had an f in it efficient they're not as efficient (laughs) well that's you know a lot of words in the vocabulary have that so they're not efficient they 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 work so hard and you want to you want to look at them and say look if you would just teach somebody to do this you'd have some help well i don't have time to train somebody well you're not gonna have time to eat here before too long you know you need to slow down or they're saying oh i'm not teaching somebody else to do it because then i i won't have a job and i can't afford to have somebody else know what I know I've been in work environments where where guys would not teach me things that they knew because they were afraid that somebody was going to take their job away from them. We can't have that here we, we absolutely can't have that here if you're plugged into ministry we need you intentionally apprenticing we need you um, to, to you know get over this thing about I'm busy and can't afford to have somebody over my shoulder get past that bring them in and show somebody definitely don't get to a place where your ego gets in the way and you say i'm not teaching somebody else how to do that i'm the one around here that does that intentionally apprenticing is replacing yourself know what i know so that you can do what i do teach me what you know so that i can do what you do Uh, so here's what i need for everybody to do i need i need for all of us in order for this to be a place uh, to continue to be a place that people love and i talk to people that come to church here often i talk to visitors i hear it all the time i love that place i just love it's just a neat church i love going there in order for us to excuse me to continue to be that kind of church we've got to get this idea we've got to execute this principle of intentional apprenticing Um, at every level of our organization we have to try to identify people get them plugged into a ministry area and uh, hand it off to them so that they can do ministry And and here's what you're going to do as you do that. You're going to do two things. First of all, you're going to broaden your influence. And secondly, you're going to span a generation gap. Uh, You broaden your influence, and then you bridge generations. Uh, By broadening your influence, when you apprentice someone, there's someone doing something where you aren't, and you're freed up to go do something else. Many people in this church can do a lot of different things, but because we don't have help and because they can't find somebody to help, they get trapped into doing a lot of things and they get worn out and and when if we would just execute this principle of intentional apprenticing find somebody teach them what we're doing so that we can then go do something else someplace else and by broadening your influence when you apprentice someone um, they may possibly do it better than you have ever done it which if you're doing this for the glory of god isn't that what you want don't you want somebody who can do it better than you don't you want somebody that when it's all said and done we, we were as effective and as efficient as we could be in, in the process of don't ever lose sight of why we're doing all this okay it's not so we can be a great church it's not so we can you know bang on our chest and say we're awesome it's so that we can bring people to Jesus because if we're not doing that we're not fulfilling our mission so in, in the next week what's going to happen next week Tracy's going to talk to you we've got a kind of a special thing that's going to happen next week don't skip out next week because I'm not preaching okay you do it all the time and it ticks me off don't do that don't do that show up next sunday don't say well brett's not preaching i'm not going be here because tracy's going to take it and again intentional apprenticing i want him up here with you i want him to teach i want kyle to teach i want ryan teaching you guys it's about you know this isn't my stage this isn't my arena i don't look at this and say well you know i'm the only one that can do this no these guys uh, have things to say and and need to be said Next week, Tracy's going to talk about our small groups. Now, here's what happens in our small group environment. And here's, why, here's, here's where the principle of intentional apprenticing shows up pretty huge. Our small group environments are set up like this. We have a small group. That group has decided to stay together for 18 months, and then they split up, and then they take on new people. So we're constantly trying to multiply our small groups. The problem with this model is that every time our groups split at the end of their 18-month run, we, we have this problem of trying to find new leaders for the new groups. If we don't apprentice some people, if we don't find some people and say, hey, let me teach you what I know so that you can do what I do. Let me help you to learn what I have learned and then show you how to do what it is that I do. If we don't do that, small groups around here die, and we are not as effective a church as we need to be. Tracy's going to talk to you next week about the whole small group environment and, and and explain why we do it that way and, and the benefits of it but one of the problems in doing small groups the way we do them is we are constantly in need of, a, of small group leaders now if I just say to you hey do you want to be a small group leader you go no and, and the big reason part of the reason it's not that you can't you couldn't do that because it's not rocket science. It's not the hardest thing in the world. We've got a lot of people now that are leading small groups that probably if you'd asked them five years ago would have said, I'm never going to lead a small group. But do you know what your, your kickback is when I ask you if you want to lead a small group? Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, of course you don't. How in the world would I expect you to sign up to be a small group leader if, if we've never taken the time to teach you or train you how to do it? But if you get involved in a small group and you kind of saddle up to the leader and, you, and he says, hey, I want to apprentice you, I want to teach you how to do what it is that I'm doing and you watch him or, and, and her do that, over time you're going to learn how to do it and being a small group leader would be a, a much simpler thing, not, not you know, a piece of cake necessarily, but something that you could do and something that we need you to do, something that is very, very important in the life of this church. So this whole idea of intentional apprenticing shows up in the area, not just in small groups, but small groups is a great place to, to kind of highlight it. Um, when you apprentice, you multiply. You, you broaden your influence. You, 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 you make yourself able to be, you know, when you leave yourself, make yourself over in somebody else, you kind of leave yourself there and move on to another place. You kind of spread yourself around. That's one of the things that happens when you apprentice. But beyond that, when you ab- embrace this concept of intentional apprenticing, A really cool thing happens you bridge generational gaps many of you drove past churches this morning that would be like the kind of church I'm going to describe for you now I don't know where you came from and I'm not I don't have any church in particular in mind but I've been in churches where you walk in and you look around and you say man don't you guys have any young people in this church well, we got three, and they're on the back row, and they're texting one another, you know? I mean, it's, and the rest of us are, you know, we're, we're becoming senior citizens. You ever been to a church where it's just full of senior citizens? Now, senior citizens, I'm not knocking you, okay? I, it's, I'm like Andy Stanley. My goal is to become one someday. So, so it's, I'm not against senior citizens. But we all know, right, we all know that a church full of senior citizens is a church that's not going to be around long. That you've got to have different age groups. And you definitely have to have young people in your church. Why? I mean, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? So we can hand this thing off. When you see a church that is full of senior citizens, do you know what has happened? You know what's happened? They've owned it all. They've said, we're not going to hand this off. There's been no intentional apprenticing, and you lose a generation. And when you lose a generation in church, if you don't kill the church, if you don't just drive it straight into the ground, You set it back a whole generation, and it takes a long time. One of the things we've learned around here is that with momentum, a church can do tremendous things. When we get the ball rolling and we've got momentum, man, we hit on all cylinders, stuff starts happening. But if something interrupts the momentum and we stumble or we have a a pause in that, it kind of takes us some time to get it all started again and get it going. And those are little, sometimes minor blips. But when you take an entire generation out of your church and you don't pass down the things that you know how to do, and ministry isn't taught to the next generation, it, it's a bad, bad deal for the church. It's all about being done. It's not just about being done well. See, how do I want to do, do this? If, if there's a group of people, if the previous generation who knows how to do the things in church that need to be done and they never pass it down They never hand it off There are great people in churches Young people who look around and they say Well, you know, everything seems to be going okay And nobody seems to need any help And nobody's bothered to ask me to do anything Or show me how to do it So they seem to have this all under control I'm just going to go to the lake You know, they'll just check out They'll go some, Or they'll go to another church where they can get involved Because a lot of people want to get involved And they don't know the avenue to get there When we when we identify people and we say hey would you come learn what i know and do what i do so that i can go to another ministry area you'd be surprised how many people would if you would take the time to teach them how you do it they're not adverse to getting involved in fact i'd say most people would like to be involved in church most people would like to think that they have some stock some ownership some participation in this beyond just coming and sitting on sunday and and leaving and we don't see you again for a week because quite honestly we don't want anybody to do that we don't want anybody to just come sit for a week and we'll see you next week we want you involved we want you to have a part but but much of the onus of that is on us as ministry leaders and as, as pastors and as volunteers to apprentice people to show you what we do and how we do it where was I? scary when you look down and there's just no clue Every church that does not apply this principle runs the risk of eventually just passing away because they don't hand it off and they, and they don't do anything with the next generation. My youth pastor did this with me. I went to a, I went to a great church. I can honestly say that I went to a great church. It was a big church. It's a, they have about twenty five hundred this morning at uh, several services and one last night. Uh, I had a great youth pastor. His name was Doug Newhouse. And Doug would take us on retreats. Every year, uh, we had two retreats. We had a spring and a fall retreat. And our, our camp was only about an hour from our church. So it didn't take long to get there. And we would get there on a Friday afternoon late. And we would stay until Sunday afternoon. And we always had a service, a church service, on Sunday morning. And very early in my experience in youth group, Doug identified me as a kid that he wanted to make over ministry ministry. He saw ministry potential in me. And so he came to me and he said, early on, I mean, I was probably a freshman, he came to me and said, Brett, you know, we've got the church service coming up on Sunday. Would you, you, you can do this. Would you be willing to preach at the church service on Sunday? Well, you can imagine the first time he came to me and said that, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, that entails getting in front of people. I can't, I don't want to do that. He said, Brett, I will teach you how to write a sermon because that was my kickback you know I, doug i don't know how to write a sermon i don't know how you do that he said no no if you'll agree to do it i'll take the weekend we'll work on it all weekend and i'll show you how to to read the bible i'll show you how to set up a sermon and i'll show you i'll give you some pointers on how to talk to people and and when you're done with it you will see that you have enjoyed the experience and you will learn a lot in the process and sure enough i i did that as a freshman and I bet I did at least one of those uh, two retreats that we did every year. And I would go to church camp and they would have certain, you know, we'd be there for a week and they, we'd have certain things where the kids sometimes were asked to speak. And Doug always came to me and said, Brett, you know, why don't you do this? And he would coach me and he would talk to me and he would critique me and he would, he would help me to see. Later on, uh, you know, they, they, they did even more for me in that regard. I'll get to that in just a minute. But do you understand the risk that was involved, in Doug coming to me and saying, "Hey, why don't you do this?" Do you understand the the lack of ego that was involved? Because Doug could have stood up in front of his, his you know his uh, youth congregation on a Sunday morning, and he got to be the preacher, but he didn't cling to that. It wasn't his ego. I am struggling, so you're gonna have to bear with me a little bit. He could have he could have grabbed that with both hands and not let anybody else have it. But he didn't do it that way. Um, it, it, you know, it could have gotten messy. It could have become a problem. But it wasn't. It wasn't because Doug um, gave it to somebody else. He handed off to the next generation. And as a result of that, as a, a, I mean, a huge portion of fallout from that is that several from our church went into ministry. Several went into youth ministry. There's a couple of us now that are preaching. I can honestly tell you that wouldn't have happened if doug newhouse hadn't come to me and said brett i want to teach you what i know i want to show you how to do this and then i'm going to turn you loose and let you go do it my pastor understood that somebody has to take a risk and that sometimes he might not do it as good as as me i mean that's one of the things doug had to say to himself brett's probably not going to teach the word as well as i can it's probably not going to sound as pretty and brett's probably going to be nervous and it's probably not going to be the best thing but i want to apprentice him so that he can eventually do this the way I do it Um, certainly I was pretty rough around the edges and some might still say that that's the case Um, skip, skip, skip don't you love that, don't you wish preachers would just get up, just skip, skip, skip You, you could very well have passed a church this morning where that's not happening where nobody teaches anybody anything new about how to do ministry, where the same guy, you know, kind of stands his post at the door, has been there for 20 years, and it's his door, you know. And nobody's going to take that post away from me. Well, eventually, they're going to look up and not have anything. Um, You'll notice that we we don't have a whole lot for students once they get pretty much past the, the fifth or sixth grade. We don't have a lot of classes for them. I mean, there's really... Uh, we, we, we don't and, and one of the reasons is um, We would really much rather people Instead of going to another class Find an area of ministry And get involved um, we, we don't want to just line people up in rows And talk at them all the time We want to help people to get involved Get their hands dirty a little bit And they'll learn something I can tell you this I never learn more Than when I'm speaking or teaching If, you, if you've ever said Man I wish I knew my Bible like so and so or if you've ever heard a Bible teacher and thought, man, how did they, how did they get so smart? You wouldn't believe how, how much you'll learn if you'll teach. And I don't, I'm not talking about teaching adults. I used to prepare, when I was the youth pastor, I used to prepare lessons for junior worship. Um, and I learned more preparing for those junior worship lessons than I'm sure the kids ever learned. It was a great experience for me. I used to teach a high, uh, a, uh, an adult Sunday school class when I was the youth pastor here. And I always learned something. When I prepared those If you want to learn, teach it And you will learn it, I I can promise you that Um, We have to take the time to apprentice Skip, skip, skip Success Is not a car well parked Here Success is not a person well greeted at the door We, We are not successful In ministry Until we can look over and say That person is doing what I taught them to do when, when we can when we can across the board look around and find other people who are doing the jobs that we taught them to do and stand off and watch them do it and take great pleasure in just watching somebody else do something hey you know i used to do that but i taught them how to do that uh, that is going to be success defined for us success will be defined in succession um, now usually the pushback when we get to this place is well brett you know, I can't teach somebody how to do that because I've only been doing this myself for three weeks or I've only been doing this ministry for three months or three years. Well, do you think You think maybe if you've been doing it for three years you could teach somebody else what you've learned in three years? The, the big kicker, the big funny one to think about is if we needed, um, like let's say we needed um, marriage mentors, right? Some of you who've been married, for a while, and we came to you and said, hey, we need some mentors for our younger couples. Would you be willing to do that? I mean, it's it's not uncommon to hear people say things like this. Well, you know, I've only been married for 16 years. I mean, what could I teach some young couple about being married? You know, and, and our pushback on that would be, do, you know, when do you think you might know enough to teach somebody else? I mean, you know, do you think you at some point soon maybe you could do that? Um, at least you could serve as a bad example, if nothing else. I mean, Right. <laughs> but but people get this impression that well i don't know enough i'm not here's the word they use i'm not an expert let me tell you right now just about every one of us in the room is an expert i'm going to define expert for you the way expert was defined for me by mayo proctor at johnson bible college in 1982 i will never forget this walked in and i i was going to work on the grounds crew and mayo was in charge of all the grounds at johnson bible college if you've ever seen the campus it's gorgeous mayo ran that for years and years so i was going to go my first day to work uh, work study was with mayo and mayo was an old dude and i walk in and i said mayo my name's uh mr proctor my name's brett wilson and i'm here to i'm here to uh mow and to do ground stuff and i'm no expert he said yeah you are I said, no, I'm really not an expert. Yeah, you are. He said, an expert, I'm going to define it for you. X is an unknown. Spurt is a drip under pressure. You're an expert. (laughs) You're an expert. So that's pretty much all of us, don't you think? I mean, we all can be, by that definition, we're all an expert. So everybody has something to offer. But the tendency on the part of people is to say something like, no I, I can't help anybody to learn what I've learned or do what I, I do because I'm not an expert at it here's what we want you to be able to say to somebody I don't know much but what I know I'm willing to teach you and anything else that you need to know you're going to have to get that someplace else see you're not responsible to teach somebody what you don't know that's that we're crazy to think that you could do that But you are responsible if you're in a ministry position at this church if you're a volunteer if you're doing something to say You know what? I need to teach somebody to do what it is that I'm doing and if they want to know more than that Then it's going to be their responsibility to go find somebody that can teach them that or it's you know Brett's responsibility to teach them or show them or find somebody that can but all we want you to do is Take what you know teach what you know to somebody else and help them to do it um see if we wait till we're experts, we'll never move. If you wait until you're an expert at leading a small group, you will never, ever lead a small group. At some point, you have to get past this mentality of, well, I'm not an expert, I don't know it all, so therefore, I can't do it. Believe me, if you had to know it all to be a preacher, I couldn't be a preacher. There's so much about the Bible I don't know. There's so many, I mean, there's, I'm, when I'm around other pastors, I'm just hoping they don't find out what I don't know. I was, Friday I was, I was in, a, in an environment where I was listening to a guy who'd been to seminary and he was going on and on about denominations and all this stuff and I didn't know half what he was talking about and I thought, man, I hope he doesn't ask me any of this because I don't know. It's not just you. Everybody gets to feel in that way. But if you wait until the point that you get to think you know it all before you'll do anything, you'll never do anything and you'll be no good to us. Here's what I need you to do. Everybody that can hear my voice right now, everybody on the internet that would hear this or in a, in a sermon CD, here, everybody within this organization, here's what I need to happen. I need you to do two things. They both start with an I. I need you to identify someone and I need you to involve them in ministry. Everybody that has a, a ministry role in this church, identify someone that you think would be good at what you're doing or that you think might be interested. Identify that person and then involve them in ministry. Here's what I know. Some of the best leaders um, that, that could be given to ministry will never get involved because we're waiting on them to volunteer. If we're just waiting on good people to volunteer, we're going to miss an awful lot of good people. But if we will just take a simple step and go say, hey, could I get you to show up next Sunday a little early and come in here to Ark Park with me, and I'm going to show you what we do in Ark Park and then you'll get a chance to see it and just do that a couple of weeks, and I'll show you everything I know about how Arc Park works. And then eventually what we're really talking about doing is, come watch what I do, now you try. Come watch what I do. Here's what we do. Here's how we do it, now you try. If we will do that across the board in all of our ministry areas, we will begin this process of intentional apprenticing. We will have a lot more people involved. Here's what I know about you being involved. When you're involved, when you are involved, you care more about what happens here. When you're involved and we, we undergo a major project or we've got some big thing going on, you will throw your full weight into it because you know what's going on around here. If you ever go home from church and you say, man, you know, I know Brett preaches and I know we've got a couple of guys on staff and a couple of secretaries and I know that, but I don't really know what goes on up there. Get involved because when you get involved, I mean, it's not like we're trying to keep secrets from anybody, but if you don't know chances are good you don't know because you're not involved a great way to know what's going on around here is get involved and when we do things like we have um coming up in the future i'm really going to start asking you guys to go with me to some places that are new for us it's easier to get you to go to those places when you're involved because you see what it takes uh weekend week out day in and day out and so I, I just i can't encourage you strongly enough i will tell you this i am in ministry today I am in ministry today because L. D. Campbell and Doug Newhouse identified me and got me involved they They looked at me at an early age and they said, "Young man, you have skills for ministry, and we're going to give you the opportunity to get involved I, I went off to they i mean I went off to camps I went off to retreats Doug constantly poured himself into me when i went off to bible college they brought me back put me in an internship and said here's how we do it now you try here's what we do here's how we do it now you try they gave me ld let me preach in front of a pretty sizable group of people big risk for him to let me get up in front i'll never forget the one of the news anchors was in the room uh, one of the cincinnati news anchors i was scared to death but he said brett uh ld said brett go go get him and these were his words i hope that you get infected by the preaching bug Well years later I mean that's exactly what's happened It never would have happened If Doug Newhouse and L.D. Campbell hadn't said Hey come here we're going we're to show you what we do We're going to teach you how to do it And then we're going to give you a chance to try I need everybody within the sound of my voice To do that Because if we will do that We will become not just a good church But a great church And again not so we can boast about us But so that we can be everything God's calling us to Let me have, leave you with one final question Imagine what kind of church this could become if everyone involved in ministry identifies one person and involves that one person in what it is that they're doing. Imagine not ever hearing at this church, hey, we need five people to do this or we need a group of volunteers for this. Imagine if this church locked into the idea of intentional apprenticing and it just happened. That, that people that were involved in ministry were saying, hey, I, I want to talk to you about coming, the guy that does the coffee. Hey, I want you to show up next week uh, 10 minutes early. Let me show you how I do this so that you can do it too. And you know what? Most people want to do things like that. You'll feel better about yourself. you I know this for a fact. If you will serve God in any capacity in the church, you will feel better. You'll feel better about yourself. You'll feel better about the church. And you'll feel better about your relationship with the Lord. People come to me all the time and we do counseling stuff and sometimes I detect a little mild depression. I don't get into the heavy stuff. But if it's just a mild case of depression, many times I'll look at them and I'll say, listen, you need to leave here and you need to go serve. Because when you serve, you feel good about you. You feel good about your relationship with the Lord. What kind of church would this be if every volunteer identified someone and involved that person in intentional apprenticing? That's where we're going. That's what we've got to have happen. That's one of the heartbeats of our church. We've got to get better at that. Let's pray together. Father, We uh, we please don't let us use the excuse that we're too busy. Please don't let us use this excuse that we're afraid somebody will do it better than us. Father, if that's our heart and our mindset, we we really are not nearly as mature as we thought we were. And, Lord, we we do want this to be a great church, not great so that we can point at us, but like the song says, it's not to us, but, but to your name be the glory. That's what we want. We want you lifted up, high and exalted, praised. And if intentional apprenticing is a part of that process, then, Lord, we want to execute that as well as we possibly can. So, Father, we need your help. I, I pray over these volunteers. Amen. That, that work for this church in this room this morning that you would help them to understand how this works, that you would help them to find someone they can make themselves over in and leave them in charge of that ministry and go do something else Father keep our hands busy for you because good things come uh, from that and Lord one day we will look up and we will no longer be a good church we will be a great church to your glory it's in Jesus name we pray Thanks for visiting. We hope you've been encouraged. Please feel free to visit us online at clcchurch.com.